Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James. And this is Turf Talk Thursdays. So what do we do on Turf Talk Thursdays? We go over the upcoming slate of games in the NFL. And since this is the fourth episode, we're going over the week three NFL schedule. So I give a, a quick overview of each game. I give pretty much the keys to victory for each team. I give a prediction. And then I even do the betting odds with a little bit of a confidence score where if I give it a one, I'm not confident at all. If I give it a 10, that's my lock of the week. And everything in between kind of falls in line. A five just means I'm, it's a, you make the choice on it, but I'm not recommending nor trying to truly dissuade you from making the choice. And I'll also give you kind of the fantasy football breakdown for the Thursday night game uh, that's upcoming. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into tonight's game. That pits the Carolina Panthers, the hot Carolina Panthers, against a Houston Texans team that was rolling pretty well. Uh, We're going to get into why I'm a little disappointed with the situation in Houston uh, in just a second. Sometimes you can't catch a break in life. And that pretty much aptly describes Tyrod Taylor. No matter what the situation's been, it's been a litany of things. <laughs> it's not been, you know, some people can be called injury prone. I feel like this guy unfortunately has a black cat uh, situation going on, whether it's being run out of town, even though he gets you to the playoffs for the first time in a wild Buffalo, whether it's, you know, him getting injured and then the eventual number, well, the number one overall pick taking over an eventual starter, Baker Mayfield, getting an expedited chance. Or just freak accidents like getting his lung punctured. And then Justin Herbert takes over. Now we have a similar situation of him having something happen. It's just truly unfortunate. Uh, Houston was playing really good football. And honestly, quiet is kept. People can say, oh, well, the Browns are definitely going to win that game. Yeah, go watch it. Um, Houston was going toe-to-toe with him. And I trust Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback uh, more than the guy in Cleveland. Uh, as a quarterback. So, in this particular matchup, we're not going to get to see Tyrod Taylor play as the Houston Texas starter. They have their uh, mid-round pick, uh, Davis Mills, who will be the starter at quarterback, playing against, like I said, a hot Carolina Panthers team. That defense is playing excellent football, and the offense is playing above-average football. Sam Darnold played really well this past week, and good for him. Um, You know, I I think he's a starting-caliber quarterback. I just don't think that he's, you know, the special that is a number three pick, but he played like he was the special that's a number three pick this past week against the Saints as they dominated. So that's pretty much the address of the game overview. Now, what are the keys to victory or X factors in the game? For the Panthers, honestly, get this game over as quickly as possible. You want to make sure that you take care of things on defense. Don't let that side of the ball falter. And on offense, I'm not saying you have to take chances, but look, Take some downfield shots, get the game over with, make it a 21-0 game so that you're not worried about going into the fourth quarter against a team that honestly shouldn't be hanging with you with the injury suffered at quarterback. And for the Texans, run the ball. Run, run, run. We made fun of them, and not fun fun, but just we thought it was interesting that they had so many running backs and veteran running backs on their on their roster. Incumbent starter David Johnson is now more of a third down guy but he's still on the roster. You got Mark Ingram, who has always been an energy guy, the former Satan Raven on the roster. He's the lead back. Philip Lindsay, who is probably the most talented 
back in that backfield is on the roster. And Rex Burkhead's on that roster. So run the ball. I'm not making a joke here. 40 plus times. That's the, the formula to help you make this game either close or possibly even win it. And if you're able to run it effectively, you have a chance to win the ball. Uh, you don't want to put it in a rookie quarterback's hands that honestly quite has kept is he's not ready no matter what. <laughs> we talk about the few games that were started by Trey Lance. There's not a lot of games started by Davis Mills. So don't put too much on that young man's plate and allow him to actually be able to help you uh, compete and possibly get a victory. But with the situation being what it is at hand, I have the Panthers winning this one 27-16. That 11-point spread is pretty sizable in the NFL. And then the betting odds on this, the Panthers are an 8-point favorite. Again, I think it would be more like a 2-point Panthers favorite in this game if we had Tyrod Taylor in it. Um, But we don't, unfortunately. And I'm going with the Panthers to cover clearly that 8 points since I've been winning by 11. This is my lock of the week. I believe that the Panthers, yes, it is a short week. We know that Thursday games sometimes don't go the way you expect them to go. But I just, I don't know. I I have a lot of faith in what they're doing with the Panthers, and I don't have a lot of faith in uh, how that offense is going to look for Houston. The over-under is 43. Oddly enough, that's my combined score, so it's even. And I changed something this week from last week. If it's even... I clearly am not recommending anything for you. I'm saying it's even. That's that's its own thing. So I'm not giving you confidence on any side. I'm saying my prediction prior to seeing the over-under came in at even. So that over-under is pretty tight. And I don't want you to be swayed by anything if I'm predicting it as even. So that's the Thursday night contest tonight. Um, I usually end up doing the fantasy look afterwards. But I'm going to do it in this one right now. Um, start doing that going forward just putting the fantasy stuff attaching it straight to that game and in this one look you want on the Texan side the only guy that you really want to start in a in a PPR or standard league is Brandon Cooks because he's the number one target getter on that team you have to start him at this point because he is probably your number two wide receiver uh, or even number three but He's still worth a start because Davis Mills is still a competent quarterback. He'll be able to get the ball to someone. And when he's looking for someone, it will be Brandon Cooks. On the opposite side of the field, I would start that Carolina defense first and foremost, just because, again, rookie quarterback and the way that they attack, I think they'll be able to do some things. Also, on the offensive side of the ball, you can probably end up starting Sam Darnold. He can be a sneaky little play as far as a a daily fantasy play or... um, a streaming option this particular week if you're having some issues, some injury concerns. If a Tyrod Taylor was your quarterback, just throwing that out there, then you can fill in with a guy like Sam Darnold. There's receiving options as well. They're going to be good plays, and you're always starting Christian McCaffrey until otherwise notified. All right, going on to the 1 p.m. slate of games, and I'm going to start with the Saints traveling up to Foxborough to play against the New England Patriots. Now, this is going to be an interesting matchup. The Saints are going to get back some of their coaching staff that were missing in Charlotte last week. And they'll probably get back some of the defensive players that were out. Not all of them, though. As for New England, New England was able to get a pretty easy victory last week against a Jets team that's still trying to get their sea legs. Uh, This is not going to be the same thing. You have, uh, I was going to say competent, but I don't want to try to misjudge or throw any sort of cast aspersions on Robert Sala, he's just a rookie coach. And then you have Sean Payton, who is a former uh, 
Super Bowl winning coach who people consider almost universally a top five coach in the NFL. It's not the same. And a more talented roster, to be candid, than the Jets have right now. And for New England, they've kind of had the cakewalk. Yeah, they could have won that first game, but they were going against a young quarterback. And now in the second game, that was an easy victory for them. So the keys to victory for the Patriots, honestly, they have to start taking some shots downfield. I know that part of why you want to play the Patriot way and it's kind of been built in there and why Mac Jones looks so good is because Mac Jones is doing what he's been asked. And what he's being asked to do is basically be the most game manager game manager of all time. Don't take any chances whatsoever. Make a throw only if the guy is open. Have good timing on passes. If it's not there, check it down to James White, who I think has six receptions each of the first two games, which is that just kind of teaches you what or tells you what this offense is about. So take some chances downfield. As for the Saints, use Taysom Hill with Jameis Winston. Um, the first week they didn't need to. And the second week it was, I mean, you had people from the training staff who were now offensive coaches. So there was no way to be innovative or do much. So what I'm assuming that those coaches were doing since they were on COVID protocol is they were getting ready to kick some New England Patriot butt in this game as far as their scheming because they couldn't do anything for this game. Um, so use some taste with Jameis, not in replacement of. And I think you'll start to open some things up and you can do some interesting stuff. My prediction is going to be one where um, I'm going to go with the safety in this particular situation of 23 to 21. The Saints are not whole yet. That week one team still isn't back yet. Even with some of the coaches coming back, they had major injuries. I uh, lost five defense starters after the first week, so they'll have some holes. But they can be in this game, and they can even win this game. As far as the betting lines and odds, the line is three points for the Patriots. The Saints would be covered based on my score, and I have a confidence level of seven on that. Listen, here's how it goes with what the Saints are doing. They are a very competent, very accomplished team. So if that's the case, why would you expect anything less than them to make a game competitive and be in it uh, from jump? As far as over-under, 42. I technically have the over, but I have no confidence in this. This can be a very close-to-the-vest defensive competi- uh, uh, game, considering you have a guy who doesn't take chances and doesn't turn the ball over. Mac Jones playing against a guy who took a lot of chances and is known for turning the ball over by some and Jameis Winston, I think you'll see a lot more running back centric game planning this particular week for both teams. That tends to make the under be more of a, of a achievable thing, which is why I'm hedging and saying my score has the over, but go with the uh, I'm not confident in it. Next game up is the Washington football team at the, the Buffalo Bills. In this particular matchup, again, you don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick under center. Taylor Heineke looked, he looked like Taylor Heineke. And if I can say it like this, he looked athletic. He looked like he was a guy who was able to do some things and move and be off schedule. But he also, at points in time, looked like a guy who should never play in the NFL. He had some passes where the issues that they say some quarterbacks have, he had. He threw one pass to the guy in the slot where it just looked like he pushed the ball. It was awful looking. Um, and then the Buffalo Bills, they've had a tough go of it to start. These are three great defenses they had to start with, and they lost to one, and then they bludgeoned the other one um, last week. So 
this should be an interesting matchup considering uh, this team should be able to get pressure on a guy like Josh Allen. So we're going to look at the keys to victory. The Bills. You know, last week I said a way to defeat that Miami team is to use more traditional runs. This week I'm saying use Josh Allen as an athlete. Part of the reason being is, you know, they want to show off Josh Allen's big arm. This team and the, the Washington football team wants to use those great defensive linemen. Use him as an athlete. You saw what they were able to do. The Giants, I should say, were able to do with Daniel Jones. Josh Allen, while he's not as fast as Daniel Jones is, he is a big, strong guy who honestly can go get five, six yards on a designed run. Uh, and hopefully they can teach this guy to get the heck down so he's not taking smoke show shots. But what you don't want to do is drop him back 50 times to be a, a lamb for the slaughter. For the football team, pressure with four and bracket digs. This is the thing where we've talked about how good that defensive uh, line is. So use them. Pressure with four and you can replace. You have you go four deep on uh, the defensive tackle position and you can just, you know, filter in guys when you need to uh, behind uh, Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young. And if you bracket digs, that's what Josh Allen looks for when he is under duress. So if you don't give him the opportunity to look for that guy, that is how you change the game. But I do see the Bills winning this one 27 to 20, which brings up the betting odds. So the Bills are a seven and a half point favorite. Again, that hook is, is the odd one. So I technically have the football team covering. I give it a confidence level of six. What I'm saying here is you make the decision, but I would lean more towards this being a closer scoring game uh, than not. You got a team coming off of a massive victory. Uh, in one side and you have the other team having an extra three days to prepare for said team and mirror what was done by the Steelers to try to uh, slow Josh Allen down. The over-under is 54, uh, 45.5. Wow. 45.5. And I technically have the over. I do look for this to be a seven point over. Uh, seven, point, seven as a confidence for this over. I think this game can go one of two ways. It can go away where the football team does stay in it. They're able to move the ball, be effective, be efficient, and Heineke gets a little more of his sea legs. But the Bills still score. Or the Bills can just bludgeon them and blow them out, and you get some garbage time scores from Washington. So that's why I'm saying I can see the over, and I have a little more confidence in it happening because it's one of those two situations the Bills will try to prove points if they get up and the football team will have to be in scramble mode, which allows for more possessions to be had by both teams because they'll stop running the ball. The next game on the slate is going to be the Chicago Bears at the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland got away with one last week. Now, granted, they suffered their own injury with Jarvis Landry, and they get, but they do get back Odell Beckham Jr. Um, it's like a one-to-one as far as not talent, not the way they play, but LSU guys. You lose one LSU guy, you get another one back. And for the Bears, the defense woke up last week, played really well, especially the front seven. Um, and now Justin Fields is the starting quarterback. So we get to see what we wanted to see. So for the Bears, I feel like it's simple, but whatever. Stop the run and run the ball. If you stop the run, you're forcing Baker Mayfield to throw, throw to receivers that aren't of the elk or caliber of Jarvis Landry. And if he tries to throw those tight ends, the middle of the field is going to be murky when you have a guy like Roquan Smith um, monitoring it. Run the ball. You want to help out a rookie quarterback 
by running the ball. And David Montgomery has been really good so far this year. So why not use him? On the Brown side, I would drop seven or eight in coverage a lot. When you have a guy who's athletic, you want to keep things in front of you because if plays break down by you playing man or even if you bring a blitz, that's when he can gash you with his legs. If you drop seven or eight in the coverage, it does a couple of things. Number one, it has eyes on the quarterback, right? You can even spy to an extent on the quarterback if you'd like. Number two, what it does, it makes him have to march down the field. A guy like a Drew Brees would love that because he can march down the field. Or Tom Brady, with the young quarterbacks, especially ones that have the athleticism of a field, marching down the field can be boring. He can do it. He'll probably do it early, but if you keep doing it late in the game, he'll get frustrated because that's how guys like he, young Mahomes, guys like that, they want the big play so they can feel good. My final score on this one is going to be a bit of a shocker. I'm going with the Bears 27-24. Listen, I just think that this is a, a ripe situation for them to not get the victory. Reason being, I think Fields is an upgrade to Dalton. You know, Dalton is a more competent NFL quarterback because he's done it for longer. But Justin Fields just offers way more. In addition, losing Jarvis Landry, he does a lot for that team. Downfield blocking. You see what he's able to do as far as being a guy that they can use on trick plays. He always catches the ball. And I think this is a prime situation for them to blame Odell Beckham Jr. for everything. Because apparently having really good players makes a quarterback worse. And if that's the case, it's just logical that the Browns are going to lose this week with OBJ coming back. The line on this is the Browns by seven, so clearly I'm saying that the line is is a wash um, or washed. Uh, that, so I have the Bears covering, and I have a confidence level of nine because I do think they can win this straight up. They'll definitely at least keep it close, and at seven points is a large spread. The over-under here is 45.5. Again, did it again. So I have the over, but I don't have a lot of confidence in it. Again, with young quarterbacks in situations like this, you don't know what's going to happen. I would stay away from the over-under on this, and usually you want to lean towards the line with new personnel in there. Next game on the slate is going to be the Ravens at the Detroit Lions. So this is a situation where you have one team coming off of a thrilling Sunday night victory and another one coming off of a disappointing Monday night loss. So that's pretty much just the overview of the game, honestly, other than one thing that's going to happen. You know, now you get the people who hate celebrations and hate fun in there to yell at Lamar Jackson. He says he has a sore hip from doing this flip into the end zone. But to be honest, could be a sore hip from maybe, I don't know, taking hits because he plays a sport where you take hits. But he reported that because he's a very honest young man. And now you have some people who are going to run with it. So anyway, I think that does kind of play into some of the betting odds. I'll get to that in a second. For the Lions, what do you do? I say you blitz and hit Lamar Jackson as much as possible. That's the only way you have a chance to win. Yes, it leaves you vulnerable to big plays down the field, but the Ravens run on Lamar Jackson being able to run and being able to do everything he does. So you got to get to him early and often. And plus what I just mentioned about the hip, if he is in any sort of pain, you might as well go pepper him and figure out where he is. For the Ravens, I think this is a game that's prime for them to do the following. They need to not utilize Lamar Jackson too much. And I have him on fantasy team, so I'm not saying to take him away. Like That does not help me. But to help him, and in real football, you need to run the ball 30-plus times with the running backs, not Lamar. 
this is one of those, he should be running the ball no more than 10 times maximum. He shouldn't run it 16 times. It should be more like five where he has runs in this game, simply based on him taking off, takes up the design runs out of the package. But I still have a prediction of 31-21 for the Ravens. I just think they're too good. I think the Lions are still in some, some sort of mode of trying to figure things out. And Jared Goff, good goodness, young man. I, I, hold on to the ball. As far as the line, it's an eight-point line for the Ravens. So I have the Ravens covering, but I only have a confidence level of five here. Like I said, this could be a game where I do think the Ravens are going to win, but I think that they try to take this one slow. They had a very taxing loss week one, and then they had a very thrilling win week two. This is a a game where you could easily get someone injured or get in trouble, so you want to try to take that very slow. That's why I don't have a lot of confidence that they'll blow the Detroit Lions out. The over-under on this one is 50. I have the over in this based on my prediction, but same thing. You make the choice on it. Honestly, I think this could turn into a very easy under game, uh, or it could also turn into an over game with late scores by both teams. Next game up on the slate is a divisional matchup for the AFC South with the Indianapolis Colts traveling to play in Nashville against the Tennessee Titans. Now for this one, it's the tale of two tapes. One tape has a team that kind of recovered in week two and figured some things out. That's the Titans. And the other tape is you need to use tape to keep the ankles of Carson Wentz in good shape because good goodness, that poor young, young man. How do you sprain ankles? I don't, and I don't want the narrative. He didn't sprain both ankles on the same play. He just sprained both ankles in the same game, which is still absurd. Um, it's just situationally, what, what do you do? What do you do when you have a, a situation where, you know, this guy just can't stay healthy um, and that line's not doing the thing that they need to do? But anyway, I'm going to get into the keys to victory for the Colts. Honestly, run the ball and stop the run. I'm saying that emphatically and in the reverse order because they need to start running the ball more often with Jonathan Taylor. And apparently they like Marlon Mack. Give him some carries, too. You have to start running the ball more because I don't think Carson Wentz is going to play. I think it's Jacob Eason in this particular matchup. With that being the case, with that being the case, and Jacob Eason being the quarterback, if he's the starter, you definitely don't want to put things on his shoulders, um, especially early. And the Colts, uh, the the Seahawks found this out last week, and you got to stop the run. Derrick Henry is coming, so you got to load that box. You got to make them beat you by throwing. I know they have those beasts out there, but you got to. It's much easier for them to run than it is for you to do whatever you're trying to do. All right. As far as the Titans, for the Titans, you want to, for the Titans, honestly, you want to make the quarterback beat you. It's pretty simple. You have a young quarterback in Jacob Eason, who's probably going to get the start here. It might end up being Sam Ellinger. Either way, make that guy beat you with his arm. My prediction on this one, I actually have it closer than you might think. 28 to 20 uh, Titans, but the spread is actually pretty close considering uh, Titans are only a five point favorite. So I have the Titans winning, uh, covering the spread, I should say, and the spread of eight is a pretty solid one. Uh, the, the confidence level of eight means I have confidence in it of a decent level. As far as the, the over-under, it's even here. It's at 48. That was my prediction. So I told you what to do when the predictions bring you to that level. Next game up for the 1 p.m. slate is going to be the Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, with the Chiefs, we saw that they had a heartbreaking loss. Again, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to lose a game again 
or back-to-back games, but uh, good luck to the Chargers. And as far as the Chargers, they got to get more efficient in the red zone. They, they have to start putting up some points instead of just moving the ball, uh, especially for my fantasy team. <laughs> but the keys to victory for the Chargers, honestly, do what you do. Because when they've played against Patrick Mahomes so far, they seem to have really good games on the defensive side. I know it's a new coaching staff, new scheme and all, but I think they try to make Patrick Mahomes be small. So this is a perfect game for the Chiefs to do the following. I know that he fumbled the ball last week and everyone wants to blame that, but it's just as easy to blame everything else, including the defense not showing up in the second half or Patrick Mahomes losing his mind and going Patrick Mahomes on that pass when he didn't have to throw it. It's very easy to call Clyde over to layer the GOAT, but he's not alone in the GOAT situation last week. So what do you do this week? I think Andy Reid is a smart enough coach to give that young man 15 to 20 carries, especially get him closer to 20. It'll affect that Chargers team that has not been able to stop the run, and it will give him confidence back, and that's how you win this game. So my final prediction is 34-27 Chargers. I do think the Chiefs will come out and try to throw the ball early, but I think that they start to mix Clyde Edwards a layer in there and they can gash them. And the Chargers will probably be more efficient in the red zone because everyone is able to score against the Chiefs this particular year, so far at least. The betting odds on this one is 6.5 for the Chiefs. So I have the Chiefs covering and I have a confidence level of 7 on this. I do think it'll be a pretty close game. I think the Chargers are apt and built to be able to beat them. But coming off a loss, I think the Chiefs will really focus on getting the W in this one. The over-under is 54.5. I technically have the over, but I'm giving a confidence level of 5. I wouldn't really recommend this one for you folks. It's just not a game that I think is going to get you anything that you really want. Next game up is going to be Atlanta Falcons against the New York Jets. Now the Jets, I mean, against the New York Giants, excuse me. Now the Giants, they had a heartbreaking loss because of some, just some giant-like things happening on their Thursday night game against the Washington football team. And the Falcons looked like terrible. I don't want to call them trash, but they did look like trash. They looked terrible uh, through the first six uh, quarters of the season. In the last two quarters, they looked really good. They started to play good football despite the turnovers late. So the X-Factors in this game. For the Falcons, you got to throw the ball around the yard. You have talent, right? You have talent in that receiver, even outside of just Calvin Ridley. So take some advantage of the Russell Gages of the world. As far as the Giants, same formula as last week. Use Daniel Jones as an athlete. Until otherwise put on notice, Daniel Jones is now what people think Lamar Jackson is. He is now a read option and quarterback design run quarterback. That's maximum success for Daniel Jones. And he can pepper in some um, some passes off of that. And that's how you get maximum uh, positive Daniel Jones. As far as my prediction, I'm going with the Falcons 26-23. I actually have the Falcons getting the W here. One team is new from the coaching perspective and also trying to get their legs underneath them. They're trending kind of up. The other team is finding ways that are new and innovative to lose, including jumping off sides on a field goal attempt. The betting line on this one is the Giants by three. So I have the Falcons covering because I have them winning straight up. And that's a seven point or a seven level of confidence. The over under is going to be 47 on point five on this. Technically, I have the over, but I don't have much confidence in this particular matchup. The next one is the Cincinnati Bengals playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So 
these games are always interesting and it's very odd. These two teams play each other pretty well. Um, as far as the X factor slash uh, key to victory for the Bengals in this one and use Joe Mixon. He's played well. He's run the ball well against the Steelers. I know they're not known for giving up yards like that, but for some reason, Joe Mixon's able to do it. As for the Steelers, the Steelers need to figure out how to run the ball on their own end. Najee Harris is too talented for you to not be able to get run lanes open for him. So they got to figure that out. I'm going with the stunner here as far as my prediction. I have the Bengals winning 23 to 20. Uh, the line is the Steelers by three. So the Bengals winning straight up means they cover. I have a confidence level of seven on this. I do think that the Bengals are a better team than they showed last week. And I think they're going to straighten some things out by running the ball more, something they should have done last week to protect some of Joe Burrow. And that offensive line really has to get it together. Oh, my goodness. They have to get it together. The over-under here is 43.5. So technically, by a, a .5 of points, I have the under. But I have no confidence. I actually have a two on this. I actually would, if I did not make my prediction and see this over-under, I would have expected the over. Because I figured they would have a lower score than this. I figured it would be like a 40 or 40.5 as the uh, over-under in this particular matchup. So I'm actually shocked by it being a little higher. That's why I don't have any confidence. In the last 1 p.m. game on the slate is going to be the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Jacksonville, playing the Jaguars, that dreaded 1 p.m. slot for a West Coast team. So the game overview here is the Cardinals, honestly, you can say what you want to. Maybe they shouldn't be 2-0. Maybe they're not as good as the other 2-0 teams. But guess what? They're 2-0. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they are what their record is. And hearing all the things that are going on with Urban Meyer and the, the last funny one was him walking over to Vic Fangio and said, hey, playing in the NFL, it's like playing against Alabama every week. What did you think it was going to be? I, 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 honest question. Did no one teach Urban Meyer that people who go to college and play for really good programs generally go to the NFL. Anyway, my X factors for the Cardinals, honestly, in this particular game, they need less of Kyler Murray and more of their run game. Utilize James Conner more and Chase Edmonds to take some of the pressure off Kyler Murray, save him because you don't need him to blow this team out or at least get a W in this game for the Jags. They got to keep growing. And I mean, offensively, they have to eventually establish some sort of identity. I would recommend them running the ball more, too, even if it is with Carlos Hyde, though James Robinson is the superior back. Start running the ball more. But my final score prediction in this one, I have a closer one than you might expect. I have the Cardinals 31, Jags 27. I think the Jags can get a late score and try to make it interesting. But I think throughout the game, it will not be a blowout fashion game. Again, they got to mute Kyler Murray a little bit, try to help the young man out. Uh, some because he might not make it season long if you don't. So that line is seven and a half for the Cardinals. So I have the Jags uh, covering with a confidence level of six. I do think that they'll keep it closer, especially with a late score type deal. But it's not like I'm telling you run out and place a bet or stay in and place it on your phone with uh, one of the services you can use. The over under is 52 here. Uh, so I have the over with my score. And I have a confidence level of seven. I do think that the Cardinals defense is a little more loose than people give it credit for being. Uh, that week one was more of an aberration than it was this defense being some stellar unit that's going to shut everyone down as we saw them come back to earth against the Vikings. So now the 4 p.m. slate of games. The first one up is going to be the New York Jets traveling to play the Denver Broncos and playing a mile high. The overview of this, Teddy Two Gloves is still doing work. Still 
one of the two best rated quarterbacks in the NFL. He is the best rated quarterback in the NFL that's starting this week because Tyrod Taylor is actually number one through two weeks uh, for total QBR. And then the Jets are just the Jets again. They're they're work in progress. So for the Broncos, honestly, same thing the Patriots were doing. You want to pressure and give odd looks, odd fronts to a guy who takes way too many chances in Zach Wilson. Uh, he's still in the learning stage, so why not take advantage of it? And for the Jets, whether it's one of these two, you need to give them more carries, and I think it should be the second guy I'm going to name. Ty Johnson's probably going to get the start. Give him some carries. Give him 15-plus touches, especially uh, at least 10 carries, probably 15 carries, to be honest. But give Michael Carter the dog on ball. Can we get over this? I don't know. It's like these coaches, you all don't all have to think the same exact way because a guy is shorter than you expect and more compact. I think Carter's like, what, 5'8", like 199. They don't think that these guys can tilt the rock. It's like, go get another one if they get broken. That's how you act anyway with running backs. You don't want to pay them. So you might as well use them. But the quietest kept thing, he's not going to get broken. So give him the doggone ball. Give Ty Johnson the ball too. Tevin Coleman, bring it on third downs for pass pro because he knows what to do. And stop making Zach Wilson try to be Aaron Rodgers right now. Maybe he'll be something close to that later in his career, but we got to stop that right now. So my prediction on this game is 27-17 Broncos with another double-digit win. But the interesting thing about my prediction is once I saw the line, it made it pretty clear what's going on here. The line is uh, minus 10 and a half for the Broncos. So that hook comes into play here. So I have the Jets technically covering. I don't like it. So I gave it a confidence level of a four. So it's something where I'm like, my prediction said it. But honestly, this could be a blowout, uh, especially if they don't utilize the run game more often. The over-under here, 41.5 gives the over. I have a little more confidence on this. I think no matter how it goes, I think the Broncos will put up points. And so I have a confidence level of a seven. Next game has the Miami Dolphins at the Las Vegas Raiders. So you have the AFC uh, East playing against the AFC West for the second straight contest. And in this one, the overview is this. Will any starting quarterback be available this particular week to play in a game? Derek Carr went out with an injury last week, even though he played through the game, but he had suffered an injury. And then Tua Tagovailoa ended up having broken ribs. Uh, That young man can't catch a break. So you're getting Jacoby Brissett as the starter. And I'm hoping Derek Carr can start because otherwise we have Nathan Peterman starting. And this is going to be the most interesting matchup ever of backup quarterbacks where one guy I do have faith has the ability to be a spot starter, if not a starter in the NFL in Brissett. And the other guy is a guy who threw five picks in the first half of a game once. Yeah. So my final score prediction is 21-14 Raiders. The line on this is only minus four for the Raiders. Uh, I think that Vegas is probably a little confused on who's starting at quarterback. Seriously, I'm not making a joke. I think that's why the line is this close because though the Dolphins' defense is good, the Raiders' defense is getting after it too. Um, so I have a confidence level of nine here for the Raiders. I think Derek Carr will start. The only way you don't touch this game and you might actually lean towards the Dolphins winning is if Nathan Peterman starts. Over under here is 44, so I have the under, and I have a confidence level of a 7. Again, the Dolphins will be deliberate in how they do stuff. They will not be high-flying with Brissett and the Raiders. They might not be high-flying either simply because they don't have a, a healthy Derek Carr 
uh, or again, Nathan Peterman might be the starter. So the under is the play here, in my opinion. Next 4 p.m. game, probably the game of the week, is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, flying out to play against the Rams in Los Angeles. Overview for this: these are a lot of these are the two teams that a lot of people think are the uh, favorites to make it to the NFC Championship game, and I don't see why how they would be wrong. I think that this is a good quality matchup between these two teams, and this should be a fun one for the fans. Now, the keys to victory are X-Factors. The X-Factor for the Bucks here, it's going to be whether or not they can not only protect Tom Brady, but protect him by running the ball. I think they have to utilize that stable of running backs more often. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and even Gio Bernard. You have to start to actually establish a running game that's competent, and they have not yet this year. For the Rams, the key to victory is honestly, put that pedal to the metal. I personally am tired of hearing about how the Bucks are going to go 17-0 and all this stuff. But what I am not tired of hearing is how good both Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald are. So on defense, put the pedal to the metal. Get in Tom Brady's face. Get in the Bucks' face. On offense, you went and traded all these assets away for, for this guy named Matt Stafford, who I actually think is a good quarterback. I think he's better than some of my contemporaries uh, think he is. Uh, I don't think he's the guy that some people are putting out there as far as being an MVP. I'm not going that far, but I think he's a really good quarterback. So use him and get over the top against a secondary that's not really shutting much down. I have the Rams winning this one and what should be a thriller, 28 to 26 against the Bucs. Um, listen, I, I do think that this has a good chance of being the NFC Championship game. And as I said, I believe that the NFC representative is going to be a team from the West. It could be this one, Seattle heck at this point uh, the Cardinals or uh, the 49ers the betting lines on this game <laughs> it's funny how your prediction models come close to doing stuff I have a two point spread here but the predictive uh, the line is actually a one and a half point spread for the Rams so technically I have the Rams covering but I only put a confidence level on five on this I just don't like betting on games where it's a a pick em game where there's not a clear favorite I don't think there's a clear favorite in this game there's a real good case to be made for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they can protect Tom Brady to really dominate this game. There's a really good case, if they can't, for this game to be dominated by the Rams. The over-under is 55.5. I'm going with the under here. It's a slight one, but I'm going with a confidence level of eight. This game feels like a Super Bowl game, and by that I mean I think more, these two teams will be a little more reserved. If you've noticed, of late, Super Bowls have generally been lower-scoring contests, even with high-flying uh, offenses involved in them. The last 4 p.m. game on the slate is going to be the Seattle Seahawks at the Minnesota Vikings. Overview for this is you're going to have two teams that had quarterbacks putting up big numbers last week um, in losses. So the X factor for the Seahawks, the formula on offense is not broken, but it is awkward looking already. It's defense. How do you hold up against the run? And for the Vikings, honestly, you need to make sure that Dalvin Cook is featured in this game. This is not a Kirk Cousins game. Kirk Cousins can be an ancillary piece. Last week was the Kirk Cousins game. He was my sleeper guy in fantasy for you as a quarterback, and he came out and did his thing. This should be a Dalvin Cook game. So my prediction on this one is Seahawks 31, Vikings 27 as a final score. The spread is one and a half for the Seahawks. Again, they're playing at Minnesota, so this could be an awkward one. I have the Seahawks winning. Uh, covering the spread, I should say. 
um, with a seven level of confidence. I do think that they get back to good after suffering a bad letdown loss last week. Let's see if the Vikings, who have more adversity that they've had to face in the past, come into play if they can recover because they generally haven't of late. The over-under is 55.5. My score is actually technically an over, and I have a confidence level of seven. I do think that these defenses are above average to average uh, week in and week out, but these offenses can be stellar, so that's why I can see points being put up. Last two games on the slate, we're going with the Sunday night game. The Green Bay Packers playing against the San Francisco 49ers in a, re, in a revisiting of the 2019 and 2020, uh, 2018 and 2019, I should say, uh, Super Bowl NFC Championship games. Good goodness. Can't speak anymore, folks. Um, so in this particular one, I, I just Aaron Rodgers is an interesting character. I'll just start there and, and say this. Aaron Rodgers looked like an imposter the other night in, in Jacksonville. And then on Monday night, he started to let Aaron Rodgers again, throwing the little fadeaway passes. They looked, he has a certain swagger to the way he throws the ball and he looked like that guy again. That's what we wanted to see. So Aaron, good. From the 49ers, they can't catch a break on the injury front. So let's see if they'll be able to hold up through this game. So the X factor for the 49ers, they got to let Jimmy Garoppolo do a, a little bit more in the passing game. Um, you know, he throws a pretty solid ball. He's not my, he's not an upper echelon quarterback in my opinion, but he is a professional quarterback who can throw the ball. And I think that's how you take advantage of the Packers this particular week. I know the running game has always been the strong suit, but I think that it'll be less of that in this game simply because they're going to lean and focus on stopping the run. As far as the Packers in this one, you have to figure out how the heck to be more consistent on defense. I don't think they played well against Detroit in the second half. I think Detroit just fell apart. So they have to be more consistent on defense. Final score prediction. I have the Packers pulling this one out 27-24. I just think that the Aaron Rodgers situation, he's going to put up some points, and I don't know about that offense on the other side. You got young running backs. It's disjointed. Um, Brandon Ayuk's still not back to good yet. So it's just a lot going on. As far as the betting odds, San Francisco 49ers are a three-point favorite in this one, mainly because they are hosting. It will be even at a neutral site. That's usually the spread shifter is three points. So I have the Packers with a confidence level of eight because I have them winning straight up. As far as the over-under of 50, I technically have the over, and I have a decent amount of confidence in this one as well because the defense on the Packers side is bad, and that 49ers offense can put up points. I think the as good as the 49ers defense is, the Packers offense will be able to put up points. And the final game on the slate, two of my favorite quarterbacks playing against each other. You have Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles at the Dak Prescott-led Dallas Cowboys. It's an overview of this one. You have two one-on-one teams and the two teams that I think have the best chance to win the division. I think that the Giants are, in my opinion, out of the race at this point early in the season. And I think that the Washington football team is a little top-heavy on their roster, but not in the right spots to win by quarterback. So these are the two teams, and this is a big matchup early in the season. Now, as far as the key to victory for the Cowboys, the Cowboys need to be able to establish a run game. They don't have to run the ball a bunch, but they need a a competent run game uh, to allow Dak Prescott to be kept clean because those guys get after it. For the Eagles... They didn't use this formula last week, but they have to get back to it. Let Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts. Like, let him go cook. Some of the play calls they ran when they got into the, the five-yard line on that drive on the 90-yard pass drive, like, 
you ran Philly special. Come on, man. That was just stupid. I'm sorry, but I don't like calling things stupid, but that play call was stupid. I'm not going to call people stupid. I'm going to call things that happen. That, that play call was, ended up being stupid. I Let Jalen Hurts be a normal quarterback. Let him do some things. Let him take care of your offense because he can. As far as my prediction, I have the Cowboys winning this one 23-20. In a more suppressed game, I think that both teams will play a little more tight and close to the vest in this one. I would love to be wrong because I do want to see a shootout between these two quarterbacks, but I just feel like it's that type of game with the Cowboys winning with a field goal late from Zerline. Betting odds on this one. Cowboys are a four-point favorite uh, at home. So, technically, I'm taking the Eagles because, you know, that one point. But I have a confidence level of seven. I think the Eagles have a good chance of winning this game straight up. I just didn't predict that. And the over-under on this is 51.5. I have the under. The reason I have a confidence level of three is because, again, I think based on what kept coming out when I did my uh, model for this particular game, was unders, but I mentally don't see an under happening. I feel like this will be a high-flying game on a Monday night, so I only have a confidence level of three. It's just that my model kept saying that we're going to have an under, so I'm going to believe it until it's a situation that it's not. All right, folks, so that's going to be this week's show. I went over all 16 games on the slate, and I even gave you the fantasy football breakdown for tonight's uh, contest between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. Enjoy this week three slate. This is when things really start to get kicked off. It starts coming into sight of who's good because you have a decent amount, a decent sample size, almost a quarter of the games played done. You know, this is a good testing ground for whether or not teams are going to be good, going to make the playoffs, or they're going to be drafted in the top 10. Usually 0-3 teams, drafted in the top 10. Usually 3-0 teams, they're playing in January. So, Enjoy this week's games, folks. You can follow me on Twitter. That's where I have my football stuff. It's at CJ Florida 9. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida, and the number nine. Um, and yeah, just keep up with me. I'm doing some stuff with football game plan as well. Um, and I have some other projects coming down the pipeline. Once it gets a little bit closer to fruition, I'll be able to put that out there into the, the atmosphere. But uh, stay tuned. Uh, about a month or so from now, might have some decent news for you. So enjoy week three, enjoy college football, enjoy life. Just try to put more joy in the world and enjoy yourselves, folks. At the end of the day, that's all we can do. Take care, and I'll talk to you next week.